Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fall powerfully upon us, that you would guide and direct our hearts to you, that you would unite us in worship of you, Lord, and that you would implant your words on our mind and in our hearts and on our lips, Lord God, that we might be transformed through this encounter with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. It's so good to see you all this morning. Is everyone having a great Palm Sunday? Yeah, I love Palm Sunday. It is so fun. So let's talk about kings today. Kings. Kings aren't a thing we're particularly into, are they? In America. For some reason, we just don't like kings that much. Um, Well, we have the Sacramento Kings. Right? And... We might have them. They kind of want to get out of town right now. But what might keep them here? What are they asking for? More money. Isn't that fascinating? So we have one experience with kings, which asks more money of us. Right? Um, what other kings do we have in America? We have Larry King. That's right, with the red suspenders. Then we have Burger King, right? So... Our experience with kings is not necessarily well-rounded, would you say? How about Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley? Well, that, I mean, that is a great example. <laughs> uh, but the king is gone. I mean, Elvis has left the building, right? So, unfortunately, uh, we don't have him with us any longer, Elvis. You know, we don't have much experience with kings in America, and why is that? Yeah, we kicked them out, right? 1776, we had that whole war over that thing. We didn't want to be taxed without being represented. And we didn't want a king again when we came up with our own governmental system. We came up with uh, democracy instead of a monarchy. But all this kind of pejorative understanding of kingship really flows from uh, the fact that we've just always experienced the wrong kind of kings, haven't we? We've never really seen a good king, right? Because every king we think of, we imagine pomp and jewel-encrusted crowns and long processions and centralized powers and taxes. Don't you? That's what I think of. And cool little china sets with their picture on it and stuff, right? That's what we think of with kingship. We don't imagine the great parts of what a king can be. Because we always think of kings through our own experience, our own perception, and through human eyes. But what does God show us about kingship, true kingship? Well, I think our readings from Palm Sunday uh, show us a different view of kings than what we might experience in our lives. And I base that on two main events from our gospel passages for today. First, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem on a donkey, and the people cry out, "'Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord.'" Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Jesus is coming, and the people are welcoming him as their king. And they know that at the coming of Christ, there will be blessing and peace and glory. Because Jesus is going to be the one who's going to correct all their problems and cure all their ills. And who doesn't want that, right? I mean, seriously, if somebody comes promising... You're, they're going to be the, like, to surely this day is 
uh, the scriptures fulfilled where Jesus said the blind will receive sight. Like, who doesn't want that? Right? We want a king like that. And uh, these people were fired up because they had it in their mind that they were going to get everything they wanted through Jesus. And who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want that? He was going to be the one who was going to throw off the oppression of the Romans and set them free. He was the one who was going to make the nation of Israel strong again. Sure, they might have been a little misguided on what they thought Jesus was going to do. But we're not that different than them, are we? We all crave the same thing. Freedom from oppression, health, life, joy. The people can't wait to see Jesus do this great work. Indeed, it's not only the people of Israel who are excited about Jesus coming. It's also the ground itself. Because who's going to cry out if the people don't? The stones. Even the stones are excited to see Jesus coming as the king. Now, this hope that's wrapped up in a new leader is not unlike the coronation of any king or leader, right? Just in Jesus' case, he's not in a velvet-lined carriage, right? But the hope, the promise, the potential that a new king brings with them, this is all present here in this triumphal entry of Christ And in our experience of leaders, every new king or leader promises new things and greater things than before. And the people can't wait to see how Jesus is going to do these great things and bring everyone glory. Now, that's all good and well, but our Palm Sunday service didn't keep going that way, did it? It wasn't all joy and carnations and stuff, was it? No, what happened later? Right, everything kind of goes sideways at this point. Right, after Jesus gets in the city, then later on in the week, he's, go- he's on trial. And that's not typically how we like things to go, is it? We like to wait till later on in the first term or the second term to bring up impeachment charges. We don't like to do it like right after, you know, they're sworn in, do we? No, but that's how it happens here with Jesus. Right? He is immediately there on trial before Pilate. And Pilate asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? This isn't how it's supposed to go. This isn't how the people saw it happening. This isn't the path to glory that they were visualizing. Things have gone wrong. The train has gone off the rails. And this is not what they were hoping for at all. Because the king was supposed to be standing on high, judging others, not standing before this this Roman officer and being judged by him. And in the course of this trial, all those who welcomed him as their king deny him and scream to have him crucified. Then instead of being lifted up to a glorious throne, This king is lifted up when he is nailed to a wooden cross. And above his head is the inscription, This is the king of the Jews. Now I said earlier that we don't understand kings. And that's true, right? And I think even countries that do have kings don't understand kings or what they're supposed to be like. Because our kings, what they're known for is taking and taking and taking. 
right? Isn't that what kings do? They take. They take taxes. They take uh, the fruit of the earth. They take your sons and put them in the military, right? They take and take and take. But Jesus shows us how a true king lives. After being received as their king, he took only one thing. And that one thing that Jesus took was the sins of the world. He took what no one else wanted upon himself. And unlike every king that's ever lived before, Jesus Christ offered back to them everything in his life. All the righteousness, all the peace, all the holiness, all the forgiveness, all the perfect relationship with God was given back to the people who crucified him. And he did this knowing that many would spurn his free gift of grace. This action, this sacrifice, is what makes him the true king, the only king who has ever lived, the one who came to serve and to die. And we have his kingship permanently revealed to us because the Father, at the ascension, places Jesus Christ on a throne at his right hand, and there he is forever, dwelling as the king, on a throne that can never be taken away from him. So on this Palm Sunday, the question which lies before us is, who is our king? The reality is, is that we are all ruled by something. It's either the Sacramento Kings, or it's Larry King, or it's Burger King, right? Come on, it can be a bigger list than that, can it? Right, it can be money, fame, your image, your job, your children, your life. These things control us, don't they? I mean, follow the money. Right? That's often the trail we take to find out what is ruling us. We follow that trail of what we are passionate about, what we give to, what we support, what we love, what we think about when we're going to sleep. Right? That often shows us what's in control in our life. The remarkable thing, though, is that while we might be controlled by many other things, is that Jesus Christ has earned the right to that place of kingship in our hearts as well. And we give it to all kinds of other things. We give it to all these little things, these things like our health or our life or whatever it happens to be. We give that throne of kingship to them and we say, this is the most important thing to me and I will order my life around this thing. But Jesus wants that throne. He wants to be on that throne in our hearts. He wants to reign there. And the reason he wants to reign there is because when he's on the throne in our hearts, you and I are free. As long as something else is on that throne, we are held captive. We are stuck with a cruel master ruling over our lives. Because can that thing ever give to us what we need? Anyone ever pursued wealth? And when you got there, were you actually there? What did you find about wealth? 
It's like a mirage, right? You're like, I see wealth. I'm almost there. You get there. And then where is it? It's down the road. Right? Who's wealthy? It's always the person who has more than you, right? And when you're that person, it's always that person above you. That's how life is. And when we put something like that on the throne in our life, we will end up broken and empty and sad because it can never satisfy us. It can never fill us up. But when Jesus Christ is on that throne in our lives, everything is put aright. He comes bringing peace and reconciling us to God the Father. And he gives us life. So today, as we are confronted by this full frontal assault of Palm Sunday, may we allow Jesus Christ to take the throne of our hearts. May we turn over ourselves to him, offering up our brokenness, offering up our pursuit of all the wrong things, and receiving from him his grace, his peace, and his hope in exchange. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you offer us this, us this great exchange. Lord, you take all our junk upon yourself and you give us the beautiful free gift of your grace. Help us, Lord God, to accept this gift today, to live in grace. Lord, to be reoriented back to you. Help us, Lord especially in the course of this Holy Week, to have a renewed sense of your love for us, of your wonderful blessings which are poured out upon us. And Lord, help us to have a renewed sense of our deep need for you. And help us to live in joy, thankful that you are the rightful king and that you have come to set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.